Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome back to First Act, a podcast from Koshi's Business Builders. I'm Adam Bubb, one of the editors here, and I'm usually joined by my co-host, Sess Busby. Today I'm flying solo as she's unfortunately unwell. Hopefully she's better by the time this podcast is in your ears. We, uh, we shout out to you, Sess. I uh, hope you recover very, very soon. Now, in case you've just joined us for the first time, this podcast digs deep into the origin stories of Australia's most fascinating entrepreneurs and ideas people. It's not just about business and success, though. Uh, This is about the personal trials, the tribulations and the light bulb moments that we experience as humans trying to make a difference in this world. Now, today's guest joins our pantheon of first act luminaries, and she puts the game into Game Changer. Jacqueline Garrett, also known as Jax, is helping gamers make the big dollars. Based in Newcastle, New South Wales, Jax is the founder and CEO of GGWP Academy, an e-learning and influencer marketplace platform. GGWP Academy helps gamers around the world become full-time creators and connects them with sponsorship opportunities with major brands. To get here, Jax has been a leader in various industries from retail to recruitment to aviation engineering. Jax will tell us a lot more about that really soon. Um, and she's now a member of the Dell Women's Entrepreneur Network, Dwen. Welcome, Jax. Hi, Adam. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you here, Jax. Uh, Jax, we recently had the pleasure of hearing from you at Akoshi's Business Builders live event. Um, so good to have you with us today. And what a fantastic event it was. We, you know, just the, the networking and the storytelling, it was fantastic. That look, you, you bring so many insights, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to to do this podcast with you. Um, we always start not that we need to have a first act icebreaker because you and I have broken the ice already. There's no ice, <laughs> no ice left to break. <laughs> but we always start just as a tradition. We always start with the first act icebreaker. So your icebreaker for today is: if you were a character in the gaming world, who would you be? Ooh. Wow, that's a really great question. Thank you, Adam. I would probably I put, I put you on the spot. Be, yeah, you have. Look, I, I would probably just be um, a, a random floating character in Minecraft. Uh, I like to zone out when I game. So uh, for me, it's, it's really just about chilling out in my own little world. Uh, it's not really, you know, like I'm, I'm not an FPS player or anything else. I just like to chill out, make everything symmetrical, build, and just kind of zone out for a while. So that, that for me is the most relaxing form of gameplay. Um, and so I would probably just be a a random character just wandering around in Minecraft, to be quite honest. <laughs> Sorry for the really bland answer. <laughs> you are you are the secret mastermind that, you know, the unassuming mastermind who's like the architect behind it all, right? So, like you, People don't necessarily, you know, is, is that how you would describe yourself? 
Um, the mastermind behind uh, behind what GGWP? Well, behind anything in in, in your life, I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> it could be your business, it could be your your, your personal life. It could, just the mastermind, the one secretly kind of like the glue that holds things together. Yeah. I'm always thinking big and, but I always need people around me to help execute that as well. So yes, I'm, I'm probably the person who comes up with the idea, but I need other people around me to help make that, you know, an implemented business or, you know, actually come to fruition. You're the architect and then you hire the builders. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So look, to, to kind of kick off, like on that note, Jax, you're an eternal optimist. What what is what is your life motto and, and why should we why should we follow it? Oh wow. So there's a there's a few things that I kind of live by. Um one is do good business with good people. Um and and trying to scale that and take that global can sometimes be hard. <laughs> but um it, it's definitely something that I like to live by and like to work by. Uh the other one is um the old adage of, um, you know, if you don't, uh, if you fail to plan, you're you're planning to fail. So th- those would be the two things that I tend to live by in terms of uh, business. But then we're, I guess, like kind of like drawing back to, I mean, this this podcast, we, we, we look back to, you know, those sort of lessons that we've learned along the way and you can kind of go trace that back to, you know, childhood as well. So was Younger Jack's always this this planner, this mastermind who had this, these sort of big ideas. Like, was that your kind of, was that you growing up? Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> to be quite honest, if you knew me uh, prior to my, to my twenties, you would, just not believe that you know uh, what I'm doing now is is what I'm doing now. Um, it, it's a it's a totally different shift from you know who I was in 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 my youth, and it's it's been something that I've sort of grown into. And I think it's almost a result of the amount of different roles that I've had, um, and just now in you know a bit of age and a bit of maturity wanting to use all of those skills, all of those things that I've learned over the last, you know, 20 years and putting them all into one role. And how do I do that for a business? Well, it's very difficult to find a role that encompasses everything you know. And so when you, you know, when you found your own company, you you have to use everything that you know. And so this suited very well. Um, This was very well suited to who I am and, and what I do now. And so I, th- I think that I've kind of grown into that um, more than was was born into it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it, it's actually a really interesting discussion that comes up a lot on this podcast about whether someone is born an entrepreneur or whether you can mm. learn whether you can learn to be an entrepreneur. Like whether it's that life experience that you you put together your different pieces of your puzzle and that's what creates you. Like is, that seems to be very much the case in your in your case. I think that there's some attitudes, though, that you're kind of born with or you grow up with that make being an entrepreneur or, or being a founder a lot easier. So if you're if you're brought up to have a great deal of resilience, for instance, you know, that is obviously very, very useful if you're going to be an entrepreneur. If you're able to overcome things very quickly, uh, get back on your feet and try to use whatever just happened to your advantage, uh, that kind of a mindset is something that you can't teach. It's not something that you can learn at Entrepreneurship 101 at uni. Um, it's definitely something that you have to, um, you know, cultivate yourself or your, your grown-up believing or 
there are, I think that there are definitely attitudes and, and, and things within you that will make this life easier. <laughs> now, you speak about growing up. Now, you grew up in Newcastle. You went to uni there. You still live there. What impact has that area had on who you are and who, and who you want to be and what kind of impact you want to make? Yeah, so Newcastle is a funny place. It's very close to Sydney. Uh, it, it means that we have the access to, you know, the Sydney network, but you don't necessarily grow up with it. So finding ways to connect within, you know, particularly when it comes to brands or investors, finding ways to connect with those people who, you know, may look at you and, and think, you know, you're coming from a more country town or, or wherever, it can sometimes be a little bit difficult. It also means that you don't necessarily, in my particular instance, have the experience of working in a corporate level or a C-suite sort of a level. So, um, yeah, there are certain smaller gaps that I guess you have to just break through um, and and trying to make those connections from a more regional area can be very interesting. Um, yeah, it, it, it's an interesting road. And I found that particularly with the fundraising side of, of business, that breaking through that and making a network of investors, you you almost need someone to let you into the club. <laughs> like, you know, the, there are all of these gatekeepers and, and you need someone to, to let you in and do the introductions. But once you have that, you need to make the most of it and make every, you know, intro count towards another intro. Does that mean making a lot of trips to to Sydney or to other or to it like does. Brisbane and that? Kind of, okay, yeah, because that that is there's such a it's almost like a like you said there are gaps in the market for how we can kind of better uh, integrate you know those cities that aren't the major capital cities, um, regional cities and regional towns and that kind of. But I mean there that's a very different thing in and of itself because you do have an ecosystem there and you do have a support network too in the local communities. Yes, correct. It's often smaller, but it's definitely there. Yeah. So, look, I think let's just take it back a bit because we'll talk about GGWP Academy and and how that idea came about in a moment. I do want to just touch a little bit on your career journey to get there because you have worked in a number of leadership roles in various (laughs) industries, haven't you? And how how did you – tell me about that career path a little bit. Adam, uh, I think it all stems from me just really, really disliking school, to be honest with you. (laughs) I left when I was uh, 14. Uh, So I left school at 14. I started working in retail and admin jobs, you know, straight away. Um, It wasn't until I was about 21, I went uh, to do Open Foundation at university. And I kind of did it on the down low. I didn't tell a lot of people that I was doing it. It was a, it was a bit of a secret because at the stage when I left school at 14, I was kind of failing everything. So I thought, you know, it's pointless telling everyone that if I'm doing Open Foundation, if it's not going to go well. But I did it and I loved it. And I was able to do, um, you know, the kinds of subjects that I really wanted to do. And I was doing graphic design and sociology and, you know, numerous other courses. And it, it just turns out that 
I was able to actually do really well in a different learning environment to high school. And so, you know, going back to university, doing Open Foundation, I I did that course over the, you know, the, the full-time six months. And then I went into a Bachelor of Communications. Now, I didn't finish that degree. Um, I ended up moving to Sydney and becoming a jewellery designer uh, before that course was finished. <laughs> so I, I guess... Uh, I was I was never one to really stick to anything for too long, especially if it didn't make sense for me at the time. Um, but I'm always one for evolving and growing. So I went into jewelry design. I moved to Sydney. Um, you know, I, I did that for a number of years. I was also playing pool for money. Uh, I was running pool comps, and, and and that was supplementing my income. You know, I, I, I've always been, I guess, you know what some people might call a bit of a hustler. <laughs> Dude, you're, a ga- you're a game player. I mean, I called you a game changer <laughs> earlier, but you're a game player. Like you can, you can play the game like, and you do it I'm in a lot, of, a lot of different spheres. <laughs> I'm, I'm highly competitive. Uh, I love to be able to do things that other people can't do. I love to be unique. I love to do things differently. Um, it's always been, I guess, a part of my DNA. Look, that is, and that is that's the key to to where this sort of you know the, the path has sort of taken you now with GGWP. Can you pinpoint absolutely an an aha moment when you realise you know I'm not where I need to be and I need to build this thing myself? <laughs> so I founded my first company, uh, which was in recruitment and resume building. Uh, I was doing local level recruitment here in Newcastle. But I was also building out a tech platform um, to help young people figure out their their career paths. Um, fast forward a little bit, I had that company maybe 18 months, and I actually sold it to the first person I spoke to about selling it. Uh, I did that within about a week. And so at 18 months, I sell that business uh, within a week, and I founded GGWP Academy because uh, my son had uh, turned I guess you could call it pro, uh, and started competing in gaming at age nine. So he was accepted and and invited to his first world championships when he was nine years old. Um, And so we traveled to the States for him to compete. Uh, Just as part of that journey, he was uh, signed to a top tier esports team. And as part of that process and as part of the contract, actually, he was asked to start making content uh, because they were paying for his trip to the States and, you know, he's a jersey with our name on it. And um, basically the the contract stated, you know, we, we need, you know, X, Y, and Z uh, content from you. So we started doing that as part of the journey. And uh, through, you know, three world championships, I, I started to sort of figure out that, what I was doing and what my my previous experience was in marketing, communication, uh, leadership, whole bunch of different roles, was actually helping my son get ahead and get followers and start to liaise with brands for sponsorships and things like that. And so um, I started writing content that you know was a bit more educational to help other people do the same thing. And from that, um, I was accepted to the Lead Sports Accelerator in Berlin. So that's kind of like the the beginning of the story. <laughs> My son turned pro, <laughs> started making content on YouTube, getting a bit of a followership, and I decided that you know there was a way to scale this and grow this. But also looking at the industry, it was highly fragmented. 
And there was a lot of opportunity in terms of um, just being able to streamline uh, the processes for the people involved in that industry. Um, and being a casual gamer, my husband's been a, a gamer forever as well. It was very much a part of our home life. Uh, and so it made sense to want to be in that industry and, and change that industry for the good. So you, you're kind of a bit of like the Chris Jenner of the gaming world, Is, would, you, would you say? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, are you, ha- are, you happy to wear the, are you happy to wear that mantle? <laughs> I'll, I'll wear it for you, Adam. Thank you. <laughs> oh, please do. Please do. Well, I mean, it's funny because Chris Jenner, I mean, we, comparing that. She's an amazing woman. Amazing woman and amazing. amazing marketer for her family. But I think yes. that in that universe of influencers, and, you know, she's created the most influential kind of family brand in the world. Um, what you're doing here with gamers is kind of what she's done with that sort of influencer space. So we talk about the I mar- should be so lucky to have that kind of success <laughs> you- <laughs> with, with, you know, things. So, but I, I think that she's done an incredible job, especially of personal branding. And I noticed that she's just recently um, uh, produced a course on, on Masterclass on personal branding as well. Uh, so it, it, it's amazing to see that, you know, personal branding is actually one of the major things that everyone is going to need to do in, in the future of work. It doesn't even matter what your position is going to be. It's it's going to be that personal branding is is definitely of the utmost importance moving forward. And that's something that we teach at GGWP as well. So yeah, highly important skill to have. So this so look the seed the seed's been planted. You you see this opportunity through like through your son's experience and you know through your own knowledge of the industry. How do you go about figuring out that something that is happening on kind of this micro level in your home is something that there can be a a kind of macro business model, you know, that you can follow? Like, how how did you know that there was something really in that? Look, I think it was just engaging with the types of people that we were engaging and seeing the research that was available to us. At that particular time, uh, eSports in particular was definitely having a bit of a global boom. And so a lot of the research that was coming out of Nielsen and Superdata, uh, Super uh, NewZoo, there was a lot of new information. Um, and, and we're going back to 2018 here. In 2018, there were reports everywhere saying, you know, how much of a boom this industry was having. So it was very clear to see that this particular industry was growing at an exceptional rate. And I think in esports at that point, we were growing at 38% year on year. Um, you know, while gaming is at a more steady sort of around the 10% mark, uh, we kind of figure that we're somewhere in the middle at about 20 <laughs> because we straddle both sides of the market. So one of the things you mentioned, like, because you mentioned that you you had you went to is it the Lead or Lead uh, Sports Accelerator uh, with GGWP? Yes, the Lead Sports Accelerator. Yeah, that was in Berlin, in Berlin, in Germany. Yeah, and you drove about eight hundred forty thousand, eight hundred forty five thousand of pre seed investment. What does that mean to anyone who's listening? How do how do you how do you tender for that amount of money, and what does it do for you? So the Lead Sports Accelerator was for, I think, let me think about this, it was €25,000 at the time, and that was the first money into our business. So that allowed me to make an exceptional network uh, in Europe for you know game publishers, uh, brands, investors, 
uh, even content creators on the ground, uh, esports players. I was able to spend four months there networking in in a really high capacity, and that has been instrumental uh, to making partnerships and things like that happen now. So we we did that in Berlin. I, well, I did that as a solo founder actually. Um, and then I came back to Australia and I met my co-founders, uh, Cassie and John. And so uh, as part of that process and building out a team, uh, it wasn't until the beginning of last year uh, when we sort of started really building our network in the Australian startup ecosystem. And this is what I'm saying about, you know, getting those introductions and then um, those introductions counting towards other introductions. I met one particular investor, an angel investor at the time, and he was instrumental in introducing us across the ecosystem to other investors who would eventually make up that uh, seed, that well, that pre-seed round for us. So um, we we did a four hundred and twenty-five thousand um, priced round. Uh, in January last year. And then we did a, a bit of a bridging round in October last year. Uh, so combined, it comes up to just under a million now. That's incredible. That really is. So to anybody who's listening, I mean, I guess kind of bringing it to that, that idea of these accelerators and these, you know, things that you can apply for that you may not know about. How do you find, how did you find out about it? Was it because you are in a particular niche because there is that esports element to what you're doing? Uh, in, in the particular case of the Lead Sports Accelerator, it was very heavily focused on the sports industry, so sports tech, health tech. Uh, now I believe that they are mostly health tech uh, and have you know moved a lot of their operations to the states to focus on that. Now um, we've also done Startmate as well here in Australia, which is uh, not a niche kind of a accelerator. It's a little bit more broad, and you know works with ex- um, startups from all over the ecosystem. We've also done SBE Global, uh, the springboard for female founders to get to the US and and have that connection there. So these. If you can do as many of these kinds of activities uh, as you're growing as possible without giving away equity, uh, that's probably the balance that you need to strike. So um, being involved in these offers not only the network that you need to grow, it also offers the training that you need to grow as a person, you know, to evolve in your own business as well. Because at at some point you do need to take the time out of uh, operationally, you know, working on the business to work on yourself so that you can kind of catch up. It's kind of like the two sides kind of edging at each other all the way up. Um, and, and that's what you need to sort of balance as you grow your company as well. Right. Well, to anybody listening, just, um, you know, start Googling accelerator programs. Absolutely. (laughs) I I can, I I'm a, I'm a big advocate for them. I, I love the mentorship. I love the, the, the learning that comes from it. Now, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Uh, We'll be back with more from Jax Garrett in a moment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
We're back with Jax Garrett from GGWP Academy. Now, Jax, I really want to. I'm really interested to know what does what does an average day look like for you? What are you do? What are you doing at GGWP every single day? How does it? What is it? Nine to five? Is it? Tell me. It is never nine to five, especially in gaming. <laughs> and especially when you've been sort of um, going after the global market since day one. Your your calls are all over the place where we're speaking with people in the States, in, in Europe, everywhere. Um, gamers are also, you know, nocturnal by, <laughs> by proxy. <laughs> and so the people that we're speaking to in terms of our community might be, you know, awake at 3 a.m. So we're often uh, not nine to five and, and working around the clock. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, a, a typical day for me is to uh, to wake up, uh, my son goes to school and then I sort of jump right into it uh, typically. And I would be, you know, I work from home, so I work in the in the basement, <laughs> and uh, we've got my husband's gaming rig next to me, and 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 my work rig as well, um, and basically just getting into you know the the emails and dealing with investors and dealing with uh, that kind of um, constantly always trying to push forward the the GGWP message, whether it be online, whether it be with investors, whether it be with our existing investors, um, but also our community. It's kind of an everybody does everyone, uh, everything kind of a job. How many people are working for you at the moment? So we have a team of six at the moment and we have um, yeah people all over Sydney in particular. Um, I'm in Newcastle, but the rest of my team are all in Sydney. Now... I want to know, because you kind of touched on it a little bit before about your son and his experience. You said that, you know, an average day he's, you know, he goes to school, but he's also, an, a, like, you told me about him being a Pokemon champ. <laughs> he's like a world Pokemon <laughs> champ. How do you draw the line between encouraging a gaming genius, but also keeping them focused on school and developing relationships off screen as well? It's the quality of the time that they spend on screen. So uh, he was not spending 50 hours a week, you know, uh, playing Pokemon. He would spend an allocated amount of time with a coach. He would spend an allocated amount of time when he was um, when he was practicing, and um, the rest of the time it was competitions or or whatever. I mean, basically the rule was that as long as school is not suffering. Um, it's, it's not a problem. I don't mind. And so, you know, with him, I mean, he's always been in, in sort of the top tier of, um, of, of school, uh, numbers. <laughs> and so, you know, he's always competing in, in soccer and other things as well. He's very well-rounded. <laughs> um, and so it's never been a, a problem in terms of, you know, making that, that, uh, mix work. I'm just sort of like a bit dumbfounded that there's like a, a person whose job out there is to be a Pokemon coach just full time. Like, <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's usually one of the older players or <laughs> having previously, you know, competed before. Um, but yes, there's a lot of, there's a lot of information behind those games and uh, learning how to use that information to beat your opponents is, is very important. Gosh, it's like it just makes me think of chess and like the Queen's Gambit, the TV show, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of world as well. Because it can feel, if you're an outsider, it feels like it's completely, it's a completely foreign landscape. And yet, there are millions and millions and millions of people who are who this is their, this is such a major part of their lives. 
Absolutely. I mean, we've we've been to the World Championships three times. Um, and, I mean, one we – I think it was Detective Pikachu. We actually got to um, record as the crowd. We actually got to record for one of the, the Charizard match um, that happens in – the movie. So I guess you could say that we were uncredited crowd participants in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and they had, they had a couple of the stars show up on stage and, you know, so there's all this, there's this other world of, you know, and, and it's the same for every one of these esports or, or games as well. You know, there's these entire worlds and bubbles full of gamers who love what they're watching. Um, you know, whether it be CSGO, COD, um, you know, Valorant, <laughs> Overwatch, it, it doesn't matter. There's there's all these little bubbles of people, you know, and the, I mean, there are 3.6 billion gamers. So that's a lot of people in the world. <laughs> mm, absolutely. I, I, read a, I read a stat just, um, you know, while I was researching for this podcast, women make up about, 47% of Australia's gamers and that's sort of like that's one of the stats that's been going around that number is yeah. around the 40 40 to 50% in other countries as well but there's still this perception around that the average gamer is a teenage boy how fast <laughs> is is that changing Oh, look, it's absolutely changed, but I think that we need to be really careful about the, um, I guess, the definition of a gamer as well. So when we talk about the 3.6 billion gamers and when you talk about there being 47% uh, female usage in gaming as well, we're talking about mums with tablets who are playing Tetris. Yes. Yes. Or Candy Crush. Yeah. Okay, so that is a very loosely held kind of a, a definition of the word gamer. And I, I, um, I did mention to you that when I when I met you, I was just saying, well, I play, I do Wordle every single morning. Like I basically do it, do it in my sleep. <laughs> You're a gamer. So that does that make me a gamer? <laughs> it does. It does make you a gamer. And so you know, really drilling down into that is is where you get really interesting stats. So when you look at esports itself, it is more heavily male dominated than that. Uh, so if you look at esports in general, it's I, I think it's actually about the seventy percent male mark. Hmm. Um, and so I, I'd have to I'd have to you know get you a, a proper stat on that, but uh, it's it's much higher when it comes to competitive gaming than it is casual gaming, if that makes sense. And when you're looking at streamers, you're probably looking more towards the casual side of things. So a streamer is someone, you know, obviously making content around their gaming uh, to become an influencer or to create a community around what they're doing. And these are the people that we work with very, very heavily. Um, I would say that that stat is closer to the casual side of things. And it's it's almost 50-50 for female male. When it comes to making that full-time career out of gaming, or I mean, I guess we've spoken a bit more specifically about esports. Uh, what challenges do women face? Are there challenges in like the sponsorship world as well? Like do, do women get as many sponsorships in this space? Look, they do. Um, and, and whether that's, whether that's, um, uh, it's highly contested by some, uh, men in the industry as well. Uh, you'll see a lot of women maybe, uh, streaming and, and potentially utilizing more assets than their gameplay and, you know, personality, uh, and, and utilizing the way that they look. Um, and so you find that there's a bit of contention, um, out there from some male streamers as well, concerned that, you know, this kind of a look or whatever is, is drawing more attention to these streamers than themselves. And so there's an interesting sort of a, a situation happening there for starters. 
Then you've got um, the fact that less women are in uh, game development. And so there's less representation in games of women who are smart, who are strong, who are independent, who are, you know, um, a good representational role model for women who who play games as well. And then you've got, you know, the the people who work in games. And I think I think there's about a 20 percent um uh, stat around that mark uh, of women who are actually producing the games. And so there are all of these um, inequalities across the entire industry that lead to less representation, less, um, yeah, less equity, I guess, in the industry. And particularly even at a CEO level, there are very, very, very few women working at that level within this industry, whether it be a game publisher, whether it be a game platform, whether it be, um, you know, anyone across our industry, it's it's quite male dominated. And so you find that a lot of uh, the a, a lot of the companies across the ecosystem have had some issues in terms of you know um, that equality and and not potentially doing the right thing. There's been a lot of narrative in in the in the uh, media about that, uh, and so I, I think that we're seeing a bit of a shift at the moment. Though I think that you know things are improving slightly, uh, and we just need to keep pushing that narrative a little bit further, so that it represents you know closer to what uh, we need for uh, equality across gaming in 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 the industry overall. So you obviously play a really key role in that, Jax, because you're you're a female founder in the gaming space and, you know, you, you have to kind of, do you feel that there's a bit of that element of having to kind of fight to have to get a seat at the table or do you think that that seat, the seat's there, it's just about creating more seats? Yeah, look, I think that, that some of this, I was actually trying not to uh, draw attention to the fact that I was a female founder in the beginning, but nowadays I lean very heavily towards uh, being a female founder in a male-dominated industry because I want I, I want other women to know that it's possible. I want it to become more normalized and I don't want to hide who I am. <laughs> there's there's no reason for that. It does make it, I, I feel, uh, a little bit more difficult when it comes to fundraising and investment. Uh, you know, I think that there is maybe 3% of the global VC money goes to women founders. And it's, I, I would say dramatically less so in the gaming industry itself. And so this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm fighting to change. And every time I'm successful in fundraising for our company, it, we're changing that stat. We're moving towards, you know, um, better acceptance and, and, and more money given to female founders. And so that's, that's something that's very, very important to me um, in, in this company. One of the things that you're also doing is your crowdfunding, um, and I know that that's something that's coming up uh, a little bit in, in a couple of weeks' time, right? Um, Absolutely. So when people, but whenever someone listens to this, let's just say you've crowdfunded thousands and thousands of dollars, and <laughs> now look, this will be how how did you come to the decision? You wanted that kind of you wanted a crowdfund, you want these investors and and, you know, and people to help fund your vision, and and what can anyone listening do to help? Look, number one, it's got to be the fact that we want. Um, something built by gamers for gamers. Uh, everyone on the team is a gamer. 
Uh, we have a massive and amazing community of gamers, and so we want everyone to have a part in that and to have a bit of the a bit of the pie and to grow with us. Uh, we really want to engage our community as part of this and and bring on users. So I guess you could say some of it's even about user acquisition and bringing on more people to the platform, you know, and and using that as part of our marketing. Um, but it's I mean it's also you know a sign of the times that we can go to market with something like a crowdfund and and be able to do that. I think that that's really, really cool as a concept. Um, and so, yeah, very excited just to uh, to go down this route and, and see what happens. It's, it's being done by a number of US-based um, gaming platforms, and we're really keen to see how the Australian market opens up to it because obviously we're looking at retail and sophisticated investors or wholesale investors. And so... The, I guess the more sophisticated or, or wholesale side of things, they've had a really good um, education over the past two years around what is gaming, what is esports, and what are the you know the amazing amounts of growth and and why is it a good investment. But speaking to a retail investor, it's going to be interesting talking to gamers across Australia and asking them to support us in this. So, yeah, looking forward to the next 12 weeks and and getting this crowdfund underway. So this is going to be a bit later in August. So everyone, I will, I'll give everyone a link in a moment to your website just to keep checking back um, so they know where to go. Um, but I think, um, look, to wrap up, I, I just wanted to ask, Jax, what do you do for your own time? Because you've got... You've got these. You've got this business that is kind of taking on a life of its own that you're putting everything into. You're obviously super passionate about it. You know, you've got your your son at school as well. Is is, is your son an only child? He is. Yes. He is, yeah. So you've got your son. You've got your. You know, you've got your personal life. How do you have kind of carve off that space where you're not where you're not doing something all the time? You know, how do you have that mental health <laughs> Jack's time? Look, I'll, I'll be honest, I tend to work very, very heavily through winter and then through summer I tend to spend um, as much time as I can carve out um, at the beach. I, I really, I find the stress just melts away the second my feet are in sand and and in the water and, and that's my alone time, that's my downtime, that's my quiet time. And so I might work on my laptop or on my phone, um, you know, all the way to uh, a particular destination, and then uh, put the phone or the or the laptop away for a few hours. Get out of the car, uh, be in the in in the, in the sand in the ocean, and then work in the car on the way home. So it, it really just yeah, uh, that that's my downtime. That's what I really love doing. And winter is always such a drab and. Ugh, uh, miserable time for me because I can't just wait for summer to come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, you know, walking, you can still walk on the beach, but um, yeah, it just doesn't have the same sort of, uh, you know, get the sand between your toes in the, and with the warm sun on you kind of thing. But Newcastle, you have some of the most beautiful beaches there. So, you know, you've got a couple we of do, months. We are very lucky. <laughs> you've got a couple of months and, you know, we've got Jack's in summer mode and, and life is good. Yes, absolutely. Love it. <laughs> All right, well, Jax Garrett uh, slash Chris Jenner of the gaming world, thank you. <laughs> you you're going you're gonna to start using that on your website, aren't you? <laughs> oh, well, I'm definitely going to tweet it at her. <laughs> we, we need, we need, I really want, my goal out of this is to have um, Chris Jenner hear this somehow and to be like, who is this Australian? Let's, let's, find, let's find out. I mean, Kim Kardashian. I, can, I Kim, should only be so lucky to be called such a thing because I think that she, like I said, 
she's done an amazing job of what she's done. I mean, and so, you know, that would just be amazing. But it's funny because, like, it only just dawned on me while we're chatting then that Kim Kardashian has her own app, her own gaming app. Um, and uh, it's been, I don't know if, it's, if people are still using it or not, but a yeah. couple of years ago it was, it was massive. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's, there's some crossover here. There's some crossover here. Now, look, Jax. Amazing. Thanks, Adam. Thank you for sharing your first act with us. Uh, for anyone listening, head to ggwpacademy.com for more info or search Jacqueline Garrett on LinkedIn to connect. Now, don't forget to give this podcast a five-star review if you've enjoyed it. We'd love for you to. And if you need something to listen to next, try our chat with Jamie Fuller, the trailblazer who earned an estimated $50 million worth of publicity for a controversial stunt around his activewear, former activewear brand, Skins. Now, we also want to give a shout out to Sess, who we know is listening and is recovering and will be back for our next episode of First Act. Um, Enjoy and um, join us next week for another insightful First Act conversation. Thank you.